2: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I'm joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, Kia ora, Mawera.
1: Kia ora, Sam. How's it going?
2: Very well. How was your weekend?
1: Um, it was good. I Spent some time on my new chicken farm with my chickens, and uh, all is well in the world.
2: You'll have to tell them to look out for their feathers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have been looking at their feathers, um, but uh, <laughs> eggs are good, yeah.
2: And would you like to introduce our guest today?
1: I'd love to. Um, Sam, and, and listeners, it's my pleasure to introduce Kelly Lynn McLawlin. Uh Kelly and her husband, Dr Pete, uh, were in New Zealand a few years back, um, Pete took a job um, in the emergency room at Whakatane Hospital, and uh, we met them at a hunting show when uh, Pete asked someone if he knew anyone who was a hunting guide, a fishing guide rather, and the guy that he asked just happened to be talking us to us before, and Dave was a fishing guide. So we met Kelly and Pete and their beautiful girls, and they just became part of our family. So... Now they're back. Um, Kelly's back in America, uh, and Pete's in. Well, Kelly can see where Pete is. It's exciting, uh, and um, so we've just kept in touch by social media. So it was yeah. And when you hear what Kelly does, you'll you'll understand why we want to talk to her today. Kilda Kelly.
3: Kilda, yeah, my How are you?
1: Well, how are you? I'm doing well.
3: Good. I am Carol. I'm currently sitting in my tractor trailer on the state line between Wisconsin and Illinois in the United States. And I am currently a professional truck driver in the United States and a trainer. And I'm also a driver ambassador for women in trucking association, which is a nonprofit in uh, the United States. That's really neat. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't actually plan on being a truck driver after we moved our family back to the United States from from O'Hopi, but uh, the girls were in high school and I was looking for a way to stay in touch with them and be part of their world. And I, uh, we have marching bands in the United States, which are quite large. And I was asked to coordinate the logistics for that marching band, which included some smaller pull behind trailers, but also a large semi trailer. It was fifty three feet long, and the first time I rode in a tractor, I was just smitten, and uh, and uh, <laughs> I decided that it was something that I wanted to learn how to do. And the volunteer dad driver, he's like, "Yeah, you could do it. Give it a go, right?" And. Uh, I didn't really believe I could do it until I heard someone else say that. And I was so disappointed in myself, as you might imagine, because you know how adventurous I am, that I didn't yeah. really believe it until someone else said it. And then I went to bed that night and I was laying in bed and I was like, you know, if I was on my deathbed, and I was looking back on my life and I didn't do this when I had the opportunity, would I regret it? And the answer was yes. And I, I just found out that I really enjoy the job and everything that it encompasses and I've met so many interesting people and I just I really I didn't really think much about how goods and freight moved in our country I just assumed that they did move and uh, it's been a real learning experience both professionally and personally for me to enter into this industry so I'm happy to be able to talk to you about it I love talking truck
2: so how have things gone in your in your safe space, in your bubble?
3: Initially, I was very scared because I realized that I had an essential job and I, I also train students. So when my uh, company has students, they would put students in my truck and I, as part of their training, they go out for a week with me. And I was nervous about having somebody else in my truck because I can contain, you know, my... Uh, germ contamination within my truck just by myself. But in, uh, inviting somebody else to share their space with me made me nervous. So I decided not to take students for a little while until the dust kind of settled and we, we saw what was going to happen with the um, transmission of COVID-19. And uh, my job actually got safer in a way because... It was like Martians had sucked all the people up off the roads (laughs) and they were so quiet and peaceful. And I, you know, it really, it really rung home to me what these roads would be like if we used more public transportation
1: because
3: evidently not everybody needs to be on the road all the time. And my biggest safety risk out on the road in the United States as a professional driver is the four wheel drivers around me. They're just unpredictable. They're not professional. They're risky. uh, And they they don't have a lot of respect for the momentum and the power that I haul and I my loads, I top out about 80,000 pounds, which is 40 tons. It's pretty heavy. It's hard, it's hard to get it moving, and it's really hard to get it stopped.
2: So where have you been today?
3: Uh, right now, uh, I've been stuck. I'm in a holding pattern, and I haven't been anywhere today. But I can tell you, in the last week, I went from Oklahoma all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, which is about a 1,000 miles. Then I went down through Florida and I came up through Arkansas and picked up a load and I'm on my way to the almost to the Canadian border in the United States. So well, I probably will have put in about four to five thousand miles in about a week and a half. Maybe two weeks almost. Yeah. So in the United hmm?
2: Do you sleep in the truck?
3: I do. I have a 2020 Freightliner. And I have a, I actually have two beds. I have bunk beds and the bunk, the top bunk I normally keep folded up against the back wall. So it feels like I have a bigger space than I really do. My, my bunk, my bottom bunk is almost like a Murphy bed. During the day, I just leave it flat, but I have storage underneath it that I can lift that bed up and access the storage either from inside the tractor or from two side boxes on the outside of the tractor. And I have a refrigerator with a tiny little freezer in it, but I, ha- I can keep enough food for about two and a half weeks in my fridge. I also have a microwave that was recently given to me, which is a huge step up. I have a TV with just a plain old antenna, and you, know, you don't need cable and all that kind of stuff to get TV anymore. You can actually get high def TV with regular old antenna. Who knew? And I have about four different storage uh, boxes that are configured inside my tractor. And my closet is about a foot and a half wide. And it's only oh maybe two and a half feet tall. It's the tiniest closet in the world. But evidently, you don't need a lot of clothes either. (laughs) Get through life. Um, I have a CB radio. I have a backup navigation device, which is a tablet that I can, uh, it runs off, of. it's Rand McNally is the company name. I don't know if you guys get those down there, but they're big map maker people. And then I also have a tablet that, which is where I keep my electronic logs that I'm required to run in the United States. I get my work assignments from my employer and I can do weather and check, you know, traffic and uh, use different kinds of apps when I have to run over a scale and get my weights things like that so it's pretty comfortable I have a generator on the outside of my tractor called an alternate power unit that runs heat and AC and uh, electricity so that I can plug things either in a 12 volt RAM plug or in a regular prong outlet in my tractor as well that's how I run the TV and the microwave
2: Let's take one of your music choices let's take Jane Denham
3: I met Jane at a couple of truck shows going through the United States and I love her music but this song really as when I drink coffee and I'm going down the road this song really resonates for me and I just think it's beautiful
4: through my
2: So I have to confess I don't see the appeal in truck driving cuz I hate driving. I hate I hate being on the road. <laughs> so not just women in trucking, I think anybody in trucking. I don't really mm-hmm. understand the appeal.
3: Yeah. Well, I can I can share my um, my thoughts with you. Yeah. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> do you like math and do you like solving problems? because that's what driving a truck is. As you go down the road, it's just a math problem and it's constantly changing. Either whether you're going forward or backward or uphill or downhill or with the wind or against the wind or through a storm or around, you know, unpredictable chaos. And I just really enjoy trying to solve that problem as I go around, you know, however you articulate a corner, it's just geometry but there's physics involved and you know, when you're figuring out when you're gonna get to a customer and your ETA and the next time you're available, you know, there's some algebra in there and it's, I never get bored and I do enjoy scenery and country. And you know, like when I'm on a thousand mile run, I might run through several climate changes in a day or two. And so you're in a completely different (laughs) growing zone. And right now in the spring, while, you know, all the mamas and babies are running through their fields, the cows and the lambs and the horses and, you know, even the wild animals, the fox and the deer and that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to see those babies, but the plants are different from region to region too. And you really get a feel, especially in the United States, because we are so large and so diverse that, um, you know, like where where your bread basket is. And, you know, right now it's it's corn, and um, rice like in arkansas i was going through all the rice fields and they had prepared the fields and already flooded them and then seeded the little um starters and then the fields were starting to dry out a little bit and the rice was growing and you know i just get a real sense for where we are in the country and our growing cycles by being a driver as well i love it
2: and how does the logistics work does do you get assignments
3: I am a company driver, which is different. I do not own my own company and I don't drive my own personal truck. I drive a truck that's provided to me by the company I work for. I work for one of the largest trucking companies in the United States. And they've been around for over 80 years. They're a very solid company and the safety is number one for them. They value your safety over getting the load there on time, but getting the load there is number two, right? So I appreciate working for a company that values safety. And they have so many loads that I usually don't have to sit for very long. There's different times of the year that loads are more available than others. And surprisingly, uh, here, usually around August is when the loads really start picking up. Because all the Christmas deliveries arrive way before Christmas. And then right after Christmas in the winter months, like in January for us, the loads kind of settle down a little bit. But usually when I go to sleep at night, I know what my load is for the next day. And so I can do my trip planning and decide what time I'm going to get up and when I'm going to take my break and how long it's going to take me to get to that customer. And quite often my, my runs will take, it'll be a two or three day run, in between customers it'll take me that long to get from one place to another but you know sometimes i might have three different customers that i that i handle all in one day but it all comes through my tablet and it's it's pretty easy they always keep me running and um i i really appreciate working for a company that's quite large and they have mechanics and, and people that are really smart, it doesn't matter what kind of question that I have in the industry because I didn't grow up around trucks. So I, when I started this job, I had a lot of questions and there was always somebody in the company that was an expert in whatever it was that I was wondering about. And I, I didn't have to learn how to be a mechanic in order to be a driver. And um, now I'm also a trainer too. So I, you know, there's just lots of expertise that I can fall back on in order to be able to be successful. And this business is much larger and way more complicated than I ever imagined. I have a huge respect for the role that this industry plays in the economy of our United States.
1: Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Oroku Nui, favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
5: Kia ora koutou, na mihi nui, kia koutou 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 I hope you're all having the best day beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I'm so excited to have more time with you and to be on this journey with you. And I'm so grateful that we've all physically manifested on this paradise planet at the same time. The products of literally billions of years of co-evolution, communication, cooperation and creativity. And I'm so excited to speak to you today about the feeling of excitement and I think we're all feeling this right now as we venture forth further and further into level two because of course so much of our beautiful lives we are viewing and experiencing new. with each moment that is gifted to us everything is new and of course this is so exciting. And for me today I've just had the most wonderful day of reconnecting with all these people that I love, all these places that I love. And today I got to go back to my favorite place in the whole universe, my heart's home, Orokonoi Eco Sanctuary. And welcome to new Taki. So this of course is just the most exciting thing in the whole universe. And I'm so lucky that I've been at Orokanua Eco Sanctuary for the last 11 years. But even before I started working there, I've had such a strong connection to the place. My band played there 15 years ago when the land was bought by the Otago Natural History Trust. Both of my mothers worked at the hospital there. And I found out after six years of working there that a lot of my whanau had connections there going back a long time and some of them are buried at Waitati Cemetery. So it's such a special place for me and it really shows to me what we can all do when we work together. And we bring our unique skills into play and we create from a place of love and healing and we are united by one vision of the future. So it's really my dream come true to be at Orakanui and of course to welcome one of my favourite life forms, the takahe. The reason that I love the takahe, not only are they so beautiful and so primeval and so powerful and so strong and so stunning and colourful and everything about them I just love, but they also were thought to be extinct and then rediscovered. So my hero, Dr. Jeffrey Orbell, when he was only eight years old, decided that In fact, they weren't extinct, and he was going to rediscover them, and he never gave up hope, and 32 years later, he did rediscover them. So that is my favorite story in the whole universe, and that story just inspires me so much on every possible level, and it's one of the reasons why I love my job, because I know that everybody can be guided by that dream, that vision in their heart, and they can make it come true. And so I just loved seeing the new takahe arrive today. And they're just young takahe. They're about two years old. They've come from the breeding facility at Burwood Bush. Their names are Waimariye, which is the same as my best friend, the eel, and my recently departed, dearly beloved, Hey, the beautiful hen, Waimariye. And Waimariye is a beautiful female takahe. And when she emerged from her traveling box today she actually seemed very cool calm and collected which is very exciting and her beautiful true love husband is called Bennett and when he emerged from his traveling box he took off at a great speed and so he doesn't seem so cool calm and collected but as we know opposites attract and I think that their two personalities will complement each other perfectly so I sang, Love is in the air, ooh, 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 ooh. Love is in the air, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. when they emerge from their boxes, because of course it was a very special moment, and I really hope that they're going to have lots and lots and lots of tucker here, babies. So it's very, very exciting. So I think for us all at all times, excitement is the best friend of uncertainty because, of course, we don't know what's going to happen and that is so exciting. And so I think for us all at this moment in time, we do have a lot of uncertainty around all aspects of our life and one way for us to experience that is by feeling unsafe and anxious. But another way for us to experience that is by reframing that and saying wow this is so exciting we don't know what's going to happen but we know that whatever happens we can deal with it we know that whatever happens we are loved we know that whatever happens we have all the skills all the time as a triumph of nature's art infinitely connected to all life throughout time and space in an infinite web and we are here the triumph of all those lives that have come before us—we are here to make things better, and we are. So, thank you all for having me to share my excitement with you today, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much, Kakiti.
3: Women in Trucking is a nonprofit organization in the United States. They have three main focuses, and one is to celebrate the accomplishments of women in this industry, both the associates that are on the leadership side, but also the drivers and female mechanics in this industry. And one of their other roles is to raise awareness about the career opportunities that are here in this industry for women, and then work together as a team to identify and break down the barriers to, this, to women in this male-dominated industry. And when I was looking for... Uh, training and knowledge and networking and support early on in this industry. I, I I wasn't really interested in a um, like a social media chat room, I really wanted to grow professionally. And I was looking for opportunities to go to presentations and interact with leaders that make the decisions in the industry that affect me. And this organization is a professional development organization, and they really had their game on. I was so impressed with them, and so I joined. And um, over over the years, after being a member, I just I wanted to be part of that team. And but I realized that also by working with a large company like I do, Schneider is the name of the org- of the trucking company that I drive for, that I had an opportunity to make a really big impact on in a positive way for other drivers by working with such a large company and and also to be able to learn for them and so i didn't really want to leave schneider and i was trying to figure out a work with the headquarters to develop this kind of networking or driver advocate role so that i could play a larger role in the in the trucking world for drivers but women in trucking posted a job called the driver ambassador. And I, and when I saw it, I was like, I was really excited because I like, this is me. I love to talk about trucking. I want to make a difference. I want to help other drivers. I want to bring respect back to our industry. I want to make a difference, right? So um, I accepted the job and then I had regrets. And in the end I went to Schneider and I said, Hey, you guys haven't made this job role for me yet, but women in trucking did. But I had been trying to get Schneider to be a sponsor of women in trucking and to be a donor. And I suggested that maybe that we do something collaborative and they make me a corporate sponsorship, a, a piece of corporate sponsorship to women in trucking. And we figured out how to recraft this driver ambassador so that Schneider's providing the tractor. Women in Trucking is designing a trailer and it's gonna be an educational trailer that I can drive all over the country and talk about opportunities for women and how great it is. And, you know, even if you don't like math, you can like the math involved in solving the problems with driving a tractor trailer or rig around the country. And, you know, just get people to think outside of the box because that's our main barrier to this, you know, not having more women in this industry is that we just don't think about it. You know, it's the man's world, but it's really not. And it turns out that women actually are 30% less likely to be in a collision than a male dri- professional driver under any driving circumstance. We actually are pretty good drivers. We take less risks and we can multitask a little bit better and we're just safer overall. And trucking companies want to hire more women in their fleets, but they just had, they just. Don't know how to do that effectively now. So, one of the things that I'm doing as a driver ambassador is just sharing the energy and the joy and the, you know, the love of this industry that I've developed and encouraging other women to do it. And I'm soon, I will be able to do it with um, a really nice, showy trailer. So, I'll drive part time, run loads, and train students for Schneider. And then I will um, go around and do these speaking engagements for the women in trucking um association as well it's it's just great i I just couldn't have asked for a better couple of organizations to work for and they complement each other very well and i feel lucky to have gotten this position
0: liselle mitchell is a downtown dweller urban explorer and conversationalist observing city
6: life in lockdown
0: Hi there everybody out there in bubble land, it's Liesl here, uh, still in my bubble, effectively, um, even though I am actually meeting people of course, but um, yes, Liesl here enjoying the, the level two freedoms. I hope you are too. I hope that things are starting to feel a wee bit more normal. I, um, I read in the, the Facebook feed that uh, feeds me all my awesome information. I should definitely fact check that for sure, but um, I think this was the New Zealand Herald actually that, um, not that that necessarily means that you don't fact check, but slightly more reputable than uh, Mavis said, uh, so anyway, I saw in the Herald that they were reporting on uh, the decision of Jacinda Ardern to keep us at level two for another month, and Winston Peters opposing that, and you know, I think... It's really important that we take this seriously, and I know lots of people will have different opinions about um, this situation, because we all have opinions about it, it's made us feel all kinds of things, so it's only natural that we would have opinions about it. Um, But I guess, for me, I feel really lucky that we have had good guidance, uh, in the sense that we've had clear guidance. Now, again, not everyone agrees, but... I have to say that I would much rather have clear lines given to me than wishy-washy, not sure, going back and forward on what I'm going to decide kind of leadership. So I have appreciated the levels because I have felt that it was very clear what was expected of us and the rules have been laid out as clearly as I guess they can when you're sort of making things up on the spot, as in we've never done this before. So uh, the, the sort of the creation of the levels was sort of happening as it was needing to be implemented. So I get that there's going to be, you know, some things that change, some things that feel a bit like we weren't told early enough or uh, wasn't given all the information, but I feel like, in general, we've been given a pretty clear sort of instruction toolkit. So the whole idea of staying at level two, when we've done... I feel like we've done a lot of hard work, you know? It's funny, because... For people that, you know, maybe couldn't work over this time or um, or weren't working, it, it may have felt like we weren't doing an awful lot. But, um, you know, I think just the fact that we were sort of maintaining that discipline, staying home, keeping others safe by not going outside, not making contact with our friends and family, I mean, that's a huge sacrifice. And we've all done that to some degree to, um, to help keep... New Zealanders safe, I guess, and uh, and we've we've done a pretty good job. I'm just amazed at, you know, how hopeful it looks, and that is why I think I'm behind the idea of keeping us in level two for, for maybe a longer period of time, or maybe erring on the side of caution. And some people might think that that's really ridiculous or overkill or some of those sort of words, but I think. So far we've gone quite hard and we've done some quite hard work and it would just be a real shame I think to undo all that and I think that sometimes it's just about that patience and letting some of the information catch up with our actions so we know that things take a little bit longer to to filter through with this virus so it is really important that I think we give ourselves time and level two has given us a lot more freedom I think than three or four obviously, they're all giving us a bit more freedom, Um, but it's, I think, a matter of being able to be, you know, grateful for what we have in front of us at the moment, and um, while this will impact on some people still, I realise that in a really negative way, I think, again, it's kind of, how do we look at this as a positive, how do we see this as, it's just what it is, and it's trying to keep us safe, as far as I understand, and uh, in that respect, we try to work with what we've got. And we don't have an awful lot of control over over the way that uh, things like a virus works. So I think what we've done so far has been, you know, really um, courageous and instrumental. And we have made a real dent in this. So I support the idea of keeping us in a little bit of a limbo zone for a little bit longer and um, some of you may disagree with me and that's perfectly okay too because I know we've all got our different perspectives on this there's no sort of right answer but um, in terms of I think New Zealand in general we've been really lucky that we haven't had the same sort of fear that some of the other countries have had to experience in order to try and manage this so I send out to you all a little bit of love and care and I hope that you're all having a great day take care of yourselves out there
3: I just, you know, like there's so many things that when I came in, I was like, why do people do this? And why do people not like drivers and why, you know, and there's, there's room here to um, improve this situation for drivers.
2: So where's home?
3: My home, uh, technically is Texas. I'm a Texas resident, but I, i I spend all my off time in Oklahoma. I have one child in Texas right now and one in Oklahoma and my husband's in Antarctica. (laughs) So (laughs) It's like some days I just don't know where I live.
2: What's your husband doing in Antarctica?
3: He's a physician and he took a seven month over summer position in Palmer Station as a physician there. And then COVID hit a couple of months before an, another, the overwinter crew was going to come and swap out with the oversummer crew. And that couldn't happen because everything got shut down. So he is uh-huh. still there. It, it, we're hoping that he can come home at the end of June, we'll have, which will have put him away for about 10 months. And uh, it's been, you know, he wanted a little bit of an adventure and to do something new and I think he got a little bit more than he bargained for but I think it's, it's still been a great adventure for him and the you know I miss him and I, but I'm happy that he's having this adventure but it's been good for me in a way because I've spent a lot of time on the road since he's been gone and I don't, I don't have to feel guilty about that right now and when he does come home, I'm going to take some time off the road and, you know, reconnect with my husband. I just, you know, it's just unfortunate that COVID hit when it did. But at least he's safe. Antarctica is the one place in the world where there is no COVID.
2: And it's pretty cold where he is now. I was just looking it up.
3: Yes. Yes, and dark. It's getting very dark.
2: <laughs> so are you managing to, to talk? They've they've got connections.
3: Yes. He does have Wi-Fi there at the station, and so we can talk by the app WhatsApp. So it's pretty funny that, you know, like I was in Peace Corps 30 years ago, and faxes were just being developed. And, you know, you'd have to get a ride into a town, wait in line to talk on a phone, and then, you know, pay this really expensive bill. And now he can be in Antarctica. And we can talk every day. pretty amazing.
2: So of all of the societal changes you've seen, perhaps from the the truck window, but perhaps from when you're not in the truck, what do you, of all the changes you've seen in the last two months or so, that is, what do you think is going to stick? And what do you hope will stick?
1: Well, I'm hoping that
3: hand-washing will stick because that is so important in being germ-free is hand washing because even if you wear a mask if you're always you know touching your face and touching doorknobs and stuff and you're not washing your hands you're still spreading germs and we've been trying to teach our kids from the time they were little bitty wash your hands wash your hands and so i'm really hoping that that sinks in i think it'll be good for us um i i really don't want to spend the the rest of my life on this planet being separated from human contact. I, I like people and I like being around people and I want to be able to give my old people hugs again. I don't, I, it makes me sad not to be able to I have an aunt and uncle that I helped take care of in Texas and an aunt and uncle that I helped take care of in Maine. And I cannot go see either of those cherished family members. And that's, that, that's sad.
2: When you're doing uh, the pickups and the, the deliveries, are you maintaining physical distance rules?
3: Yes. And that's actually not that hard to do because most of the time I was dealing with my customers through a window anyway. And um, there's there was not a lot of human contact. But now what's being what is harder as a driver because I may drive six hours or more to get to a customer they won't let us have access to toilet and hand washing facilities for the most part when we arrive because they're trying to uh, stay you know pr- preserve themselves but I feel like the drivers that are servicing these customers we're on the same team and we really need access to hygiene facilities and hand washing facilities and that access is being taken away from us and a few customers have put out porta potties and one customer only one customer in the last two and a half months um, have I encountered this they put out a portable handwashing station for me outside of the of, you know the little office where I had to exchange paperwork and that's that's a little that's rough. You know, we're humans and we need access to those facilities as well. But I just keep trying to talk about it in a, in a positive way with my customer, customers and those that make the effort to provide us with a, a flushing toilet. I tell them thank you every single time. And um, I hope that will change.
2: <laughs> so, is there a, you, you talk about being positive, is that a positive? That that's a deliberate approach of yours? Is that that positive connection?
3: Yeah, I, I, I always think that, you know, like I don't react well to people when they are aggressive or grouchy or complaining. I have a tendency to just walk away from people like that. So if if there's something that I think I would like to see changed, I try and approach it in a positive manner and have an honest um conversation and you know keep it keep it real and positive and 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 try and see the other person's point of view because oftentimes you know why might wind up at a customer and they're being grouchy at me and you know i didn't i just drove up with the load i don't know why but you might find i might find out that maybe they had problem with another customer and you know their loads are messed up and if i understand where they're coming from you know sometimes you can help resolve the problem right away and customer service is a is a big part of what we do as drivers because we are the face of the company that we drive for and you know you can you can uh do a lot with honey but not a whole lot with vinegar (laughs) 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 pickles so and I am, my glass is always half full, that's that, my weta knows that, I'm a half full kind of person (laughs) let's
2: take Johnny Cash Mont Eagle Mountain have you driven that road?
3: no I have not
6: There's a stretch of highway on Interstate 24 between Nashville and Chattanooga that's claimed many a trucker's life. And your life is in your hands when you start down that long, steep grave on Montego Mountain. I just rolled out of Nashville in my big rig heading south. My eyes are on fire, feels like cotton in my mouth. My whole body's aching But I gotta make them big wheels roll I gotta be in Florida by tomorrow morning With a full heavy load I gotta get past Atlanta As soon as I can tonight I gotta try to dodge the scales And stay out of smoky sight But there's one big thing standing Like a nightmare in my way I gotta top Mount eagle mountain A little bit later today Going down Montego Eagle Mountain on I-24 It's hell for a trucker when the devil's at your door He'll tempt you and tell you, come on, let her roll Cause the mountain wants your rig and trucker, I want your soul When I started down Mount Eagle The brakes just wouldn't hold I knew I was in trouble And about to lose control The runaway ramp was waiting I saw the warning sign I said, Lord, help me make it Have mercy on the soul of mine Well, I plowed into that runaway ramp And I could feel that big truck groan My life flashed right before my eyes And for a minute I thought it was gone But when the smoke cleared I thanked God that I was still alive Cause when there's a runaway on Mont Eagle Some truckers don't survive Going down Mont Eagle Mountain On I-24 It's hell for a trucker When the devil's at your door He'll tempt you and tell you Come on, let her roll, cause the mountain won't you rig, and the trucker I want you so Yeah, many a good man has lost his life on Montego Mountain. It's a long steep grave. Many a good hard working boy gone over the side. Watch out for Montego.
2: It's a good job. You haven't driven that road. It looks dangerous.
1: It is.
3: There's there's a couple of dangerous ones that uh, that everybody has storied tales about. So but there's a saying that you can always go down a mountain too too slow, but you can only go down a mountain too fast once. Mm.
2: What road are you on at the moment? I'm just looking at the we- map.
3: Um, I'm on I 39 just north of Rockford in Illinois on my way up towards Milwaukee and Green Bay. One of these days, I would like to come and drive in New Zealand.
2: The roads aren't quite as straight.
3: straight. No, they're not. <laughs> my kids were always getting cars. So. Um, but there are, we do have a couple of Kiwi members in Women and Trucking Association. It's that we have members from all over the world and there's a couple of ladies in there one of them is a—I think she's from the south island has an all-female truck trucking company
1: that's cool mm-hmm. yeah
3: so i would like to go down and and visit them we have an annual conference every year uh, women and trucking association does and people come from all over and she's come twice i think to network with other business owners in the industry and learn how they do things. And.
1: When we were talking the other day, you were talking about um, maybe doing some driving in Australia. Mm-hmm. We would like um, to. Women
3: that- in- yeah, so Jane has connections with all sorts of different driving people in Australia because. That's just one of her loves, even though she's not a driver. She she loves trucks and singing about drivers. And um, so the last time I saw her, which was in, I think it was last August at a trucking convention. No, I think it was actually at Accelerate. It was at, at uh, our conference that we have every year. And she was coming into doing the entertainment and we were talking over a beer. And I told her one of my on my bucket list is to drive a truck train or at least ride, do a ride along with a truck train. And she's like, oh, I can hook you up. We'll go out to the outback. And, um, and then there was also a lady from Ghana that came that has an all female um, truck driving crew that hauls fuel in and out of a gold mine in Africa. And so we started putting our heads together to think about doing some cross visits and visiting different drivers in in some of these countries, and you know, just sharing stories of women and what it's like to be a driver in Australia versus Ghana versus the United States. And um, anyway, so Jane and I and one other lady and my and my boss Ellen Foya from Women in Trucking, we started cooking it up, and then you know, COVID happened, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so everything then- was on hold again. That would be such a cool documentary, wouldn't it? Oh, to be lovely. you know driving driving with other women around the world—that would just be so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: the women that I women that I have met and through this organization are just amazing business women, and mm-hmm. um, you know, like some of them are singers, like Jane and. Some of them are truck drivers and some of them are into artificial intelligence and some of them are into Internet um, like IT. And they're, you know, the safety around the IT for these trucking companies is huge, because if you take down that structure, which buys and sells loads and sends out assignments to drivers, you can if you can shut down the truckers, you can do some real damage to an infrastructure. So. So it's just really, I just, you know, I'm just always, I just want to hear more women stories, you know, how did they get into this industry? And um, some of them are success, success stories, but some of the women that I've met, like when I was in training, I went to a truck driving school with a woman who was a prostitute. She was still a prostitute, but she was getting her a commercial driver's license she had a 13-year-old daughter and she said she just couldn't look her daughter in the eye anymore she didn't she didn't want to raise her daughter and so she was looking for a different career and so she was funding her CDL school by being a driver and when she got her job she was going to quit and she was going to be a truck driver and have a a different lifestyle
2: so I have some questions to end with. Yep. And if I hadn't lost them, that would be really good. There they are. So what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
3: I, You know, every day I'm alive is a success. <laughs> you know, it is such a challenge to to negotiate traffic and... Arrive safely every day i mean that that's truly my success and i have just learned so much about myself and the strengths that i have and taken the 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 myself out of the box that i had previously put myself in so that i can just explore all sorts of opportunities you know i was used to be terrified of talking to the public. And here I am talking on a radio show with gosh knows how many people are listening. And before I was a truck driver that I w- I wasn't able to do that. And I have really just grown so much and I love life and I love all the people that I meet. I'm really in a great place. And I credit a lot of that to, you know, this whole truck driving adventure that i've been on it's it's been a really successful road for me
2: so we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes so the team of people doing good work so you're on our mansion what's the superpower that's got you there
3: my superpower is i'm here to tell every woman you can do it whatever it is you want to do you can do it That's my superpower.
2: Do you consider yourself to be an activist?
3: I do. I do. I would say advocate more than activist, but I definitely am an advocate.
2: So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
3: Uh, I just love life. But, you know, really, one of the things that really motivates me frequently is that I want to be a great role model for my daughters. They're Mm -hmm. in college, they haven't graduated. One of them is also, she's studying to be a commercial pilot. So she's also going into a male dominated industry. And the other one is interested in ecology and conservation. And I just just want to constantly keep on doing things that surprise them and make them proud so that they'll do that in their own lives.
2: They wouldn't have expected you to become a truck driver.
3: No, they didn't, but they are so proud, you know, all the time they're like, Mom, that is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think they're pretty cool too. And we have great conversations sitting around the table.
2: What challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years?
3: Well, my big challenge right now is to share this story that there are there's lots of opportunity for women in this industry and and make a difference so that more women are coming into this industry and finding a successful career. It's it's a pretty daunting thing to be able to overcome those types of stereotypes which have been ingrained in our society for so long. But with the help of Schneider and Women and Trucking Association and all of our connections, the more we talk about this maybe the bigger impact we'll have and and people won't put themselves into stereotypical boxes
2: and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners
3: <laughs> i would just say if there's something that you when you're laying in bed at night and you and you think when you're old you you might regret not doing that or tackling that challenge just go ahead and give it a go.
2: Thank you for that. Mawera. Um,
1: I, I think Kelly nailed it for me with um, she wants her kids to, she wants to be a good role model for her kids. And I think that is uh, one of the greatest aspirations is to actually want to role model something that that matters whether it's to our children or our community or any organisations we belong to, actually walking the talk. Very important. Thank you, Kelly. thank you. You've been
2: listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by the... Tiger Polytechnic. We're broadcast at Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on all the potty sorts of places that you listen to. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai Hi. in Fakutani and Kelly McLaughlin in her safe space, in her tractor, on the state line of Wisconsin and Illinois, we hope you enjoyed the show.
0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on
3: the air.